face, and they have an, a huge uh, food stain on their face. It's mustard. You don't know if it's ketchup or chocolate or you don't know what they ate for breakfast, but you're kind of thinking to yourself, man, how did you get out of the house without seeing this thing that's on your face? So, you know, you're contemplating, okay, what do I do? Do I tell him? Do I, I'm, do I, I might embarrass him. Well, you do what I'm sure all of us will do. You point and you laugh at him and you make fun of him until he's extremely embarrassed, right? No, we don't do that. No, no. What we do is we grab our friend and we bring him straight to the bathroom. We show him in the mirror, in this reflection, dude, you got this huge thing on your face and you need to wipe it off. You have this imperfection that you need to correct. And then once he corrects that imperfection, then he's all the more happy going out to hang out with his friends and talk at school. So this is, the mirror is kind of like God's word. It's kind of like scripture. Scripture is like that, that mirror for us in our lives where we look at our own reflection and we see the, our own sinfulness. And it points out that sin that we need to change. And when we do change that, we're all the more happy to obey what God's called us to do. So let's quickly take a look at James, or I'm sorry, we're going to go to James, and I'm going to quickly give you an explanation of James while you turn there. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25 is our text for tonight. So please turn there, pull out your devices or your Bibles. We're going to uh, be here tonight. So the purpose of this book, this was uh, James writing to the persecuted Jews, and because they were persecuted, they were now dispersed, and this persecution was happening under King Herod Agrippa. And James is trying to stress throughout the book uh, evidence of, of your salvation, um, righteousness in living, and obedience to God's word. And also, in chapter 1, he's specifically talking about testing of your faith. He's talking about perseverance under trial. And, and then we get to our text, and he's specifically talking about righteous living, doing God's word. So let's read this text here. Chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and he goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And I want to focus on verse 22 here. James is talking about being a doer of the word. Now, being a doer of the word is someone that obeys God's commands. And then we look at the hearer of the word. That's someone who intentionally listens to God's word. This is someone who even does, uh, you know, Bible study and they're meditating on God's word and they're really examining themselves. However, this is the person that doesn't go and do what God's word says. And that hearing, James talks about, it actually leads to deception, right? We see that James is talking about that uh, the hearer only is deceiving themselves, so we need to be resolved to intentionally examine God's word and apply his word to, to our daily life. And in order to do that, we need to point number one, I put it very simply, we need to be a doer of God's word. When I was in school, I remember this uh, extremely difficult test that I had. And the teacher gave us specific instructions. They said, hey, read these uh, pages 
do this study guide. And I promise you, if you do these things, you will succeed in this exam. Well, I wasn't doing very well in this class, so you could imagine I was, I'm going to do this. I'm, this is really smart. I was taking notes. I was listening to what the teacher had to say. I was ready to do this. I was intentionally planning to do this. And then I left the class, and I talked to my classmates, and we wanted to set up these study sessions. I was like, hey, man, this test is going to be super hard. We need to study. We need to go to the library. We need to spend time together studying this test. And in fact, I even went to my roommates. This was in college at the time. And I, and I was talking to my roommates. I'm like, guys, do you have any tests that are really hard for you this year? Am I the only one? This is an incredibly impossible test. Well, you know the one thing that I didn't do with this test? Well, I didn't study for the test. All I did was talk about it. I listened to what my teacher had to say, and I didn't do anything. I didn't study the test. And of course, you can imagine how I did on this exam. Well, I did terribly. In fact, I did so bad that I almost didn't pass the class. By the grace of God, it was I think it was like a 70.2% in the class. So praise God, I did that. It was actually one of my uh, uh, major classes. So thankfully, I passed that one. Well, I didn't do what the teacher was telling me to do. And if I did what the teacher was telling me to do, I, I, I would understand that uh, I would pass this test. So subpoint A here, doing comes from first hearing, right? So I needed to hear what the teacher told me, what this strategy was to pass this exam, and then I needed to go and apply that by studying for the test and doing well in the test. So what James is not saying here is he's not saying that uh, hearing God's word is, is a bad thing or unnecessary. In fact, he's saying it's a good thing. We want to be examining God's word. We want to be meditating on it and studying it every single day. Going to Bible studies listening to good biblical podcasts, listening to sermons like Wednesdays with Pastor John or Sundays with Pastor Mike or anyone else that you want to listen to. How we know what to do is first by hearing and studying God's word. That's how we know how to apply those scriptures. And how do we do that? Again, we, we read, we study, and we meditate God's word. And think of new ways this week that you can apply this. Think of new ways that you can intake. Maybe you're not listening to podcasts or you're not, you know, reading your word every day. Well, let's examine what we're doing and, uh, and change it according to, uh, to what we read in Scripture. So uh, what James is saying here is actually that hearing only is the problem, right? So we, we look back at verse 22, and he's saying that, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. Those are the ones who deceive themselves. Not hearers only. Obedience to scripture must follow hearing God's word. We need to apply God's word after we listen to it, after we hear it preached to us. And filling our head with knowledge, well, it's really no, there's no use to that. It's, it's, it's not helpful. When we fill our head with knowledge and don't do anything with it, it's kind of like a doctor, right? Or, or someone that um, was studying to be a doctor, went to all this schooling, you know, they took every single class, they, uh, they studied for the exams like I didn't do, and they, uh, you know, they did their labs, they did all these things, but then they don't go and be a doctor. Well, that was kind of a waste of your time. You're not applying what you learned and took all this time to learn. So consider this, when you're thinking about this this week, the Bible says, right, it's, it's a basic command, obey your parents, Okay? Yes, Lord, that's a, that's a great plan. I should totally do that. That's a wise thing to do. And then you don't do it. Well, 
then you, that's just a, was a wasted effort. You, did, you didn't do anything with it. We need to submit to their instruction and listen to what they have to say. I mean, you think of the same thing as the Bible says to go make disciples, Matthew 28. Go tell your friends about your salvation, about your faith. And we sit there and we say, yeah, that's wise. That's a very smart thing that I should do. God, It would be great to have many more Christians in the church. And then you don't evangelize. Well, these people can't be saved if you don't first evangelize to them. They need to hear the gospel. And when we don't do what we hear from God's word, then we're, subpoint B here, we're, well, the way I said it is don't deceive yourself. We're deceiving ourselves when we don't do God's word, when we just listen to it. And there's two main ways that we can be deceived, at least two ways that, that I pointed out here. And the, the lesser of the two, uh, for lack of a better word, is, is essentially you're, 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 you're hearing God's word, and, you th- and you're, you're, you know, you're showing up to church, you're doing your DBR, um, you're, you're listening to these podcasts, but then you think that that equals doing. Well, that's not the same as, as letting God's word change your heart and then specifically change the way that you're living for Christ. You feel like you got your fill of God's word for the week and you're good. You've checked off the box. And this deception, I said, was the lesser one because it, it's, it's kind of easy to fix. You know, you listen to a sermon like this where I'm telling you, hey, do God's word. Well, let's go and do God's word. I'm not doing that. I'm deceiving myself. I need to change my life. Well, at worst, what we're doing, this is the second deception. The hearer of God's word, they might be deceived of their own salvation because they're not applying what God has told them to do. This person may be blinded to the reality of their true state with Christ. Jot these verses down. I'm going to run through this because I want to prove this point to you. Romans 2, verse 13. And I'll read it for you. You don't have to turn there. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified Right? So we're seeing that those who do God's word, that's evidence of a true, genuine conversion. John 14, 15, write that one down. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Those who love Christ are those who are, are, those who are in Christ. And when you're in Christ, you obey God's commandments. Again, this is evidence of a genuine believer. And then the last one I want you to write down is Luke 8, 21. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. God's saying that if you do what, what I've commanded you to do, you're in my family. You're a child of God. This is evidence of a true salvation. And the most important way to obey God's word, the most important to, to do God's word, is to obey the gospel. Have you embraced the gospel yourself or are you deceiving yourself? Are you in this ballpark? Have you embraced the gospel that says that we deserve the wrath of God because we've sinned against a holy God? But God, that's the the beauty of those two words, but God sent his only son to die in our place. He lived that perfect life, perfectly righteous. He did everything that we don't do in our lives. And he died on the cross for our sins, conquering sin and death when he rose again on the third day. And through repentance and faith, you can be saved. That's 
That's obedience to the gospel. And someone who obeys the gospel, that person has this gratitude about them. And they want to do what God has called them to do. Have you embraced the gospel? Turn, this one I do want you to turn to. Turn to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is where we'll read. I'll give you a second here. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And it says here, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. So just for clarification, what I'm not saying is that doing the gospel, I'm not saying that you're justified by doing anything. No, what I'm saying, and you've been at Compass long enough, you know that we are not justified by anything we do, we're justified by grace through Christ. And that's what verse 9 says here. It says, not a result of works so that no one may boast. We can't boast because it's a gift given to us. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So that's my point there. We want to see uh, those works that God has prepared and those who walk in those works are, uh, that's evidence of their, their genuine salvation. So don't be deceived. We need to embrace this gospel. And if you haven't done that tonight, do that. Let's go back to our text. James chapter one, verse 23 and 24, and I'll read it again for you. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. So again, we identified the hearer and the doer. The hearer is someone who listens, examines, but doesn't do. The doer is someone who obeys. And he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. He's examining himself. He's examining this, this mirror that is God's word. God's word is that mirror that reflects back to us our true reflection, our true nature, which is sinfulness. And in verse 24, it's interesting because he says, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Which is interesting because that Greek word actually, it, it can mean neglect or uncared for. This is someone who sees their sinfulness. They see their need to change. They see their need to be obedient in righteousness and yet does nothing. They, they're unfazed by it and they, they simply walk away. So point number two, I wrote this way, submit to the correction that scripture provides. Back in high school, there was this dance competition that, believe it or not, I was involved in. Let me rephrase that. There was this really cool and really awesome dance competition that I was involved in. It was awesome. And seriously, though, it was awesome because our gym was packed out. We had, we had this huge stage. We had lights. We had everything. And we took this routine very seriously. I think it was for a charity or something. I don't know. I'm just going to say it was for a charity. That's totally why I did it. I wasn't just because I wanted to do it. So we, we studied hours. We, we practiced for hours for this, for this routine. And in fact, we actually went to a, uh, a dance studio. And if you've been into a dance studio, you would know that the dance studio has mirrors all over the place. And I don't know if your dancer's here, but those mirrors are for your benefit because you can look into these mirrors and you can see your imperfections, right? You're doing the moves and 
whatever you do, I don't know, you're, whatever you're doing, and you can see, okay, I'm, well, I'm off. I'm not timing this right, or I'm not doing this move correctly. And we were really happy to have this mirror because if we didn't have this mirror, then we would have really failed in our routine. We would have done a, probably a really bad job, and we would have been ignorant of those imperfections that we, that we were looking at. And just like we can examine those imperfections in the mirrors, we can examine every aspect of our sinful nature when we look into God's word. When we see God's word, we can see, okay, this is my true sinfulness. This is my true reflection. So point letter A said examine every aspect of that reflection, of the reflection. God's word, it reveals our true nature. And it's, it's, it's interesting because the mirrors that were that they used back then in, in the time of James here, they were like these stainless steel, they were beaten metal, sometimes silver, sometimes gold, depending on your status. And they gave a really dim view, really dim reflection uh, when you looked into it. And I don't know if you've been to like a public restroom or at a park or at some type of government facility, but they have these very similar mirrors, a little bit probably better than what they had then, but they're these stainless steel mirrors where you can barely see your reflection. Well, the mirror of God's word is nothing like that. It is very clear to see our reflection. We can see exactly what our sinful nature shows us. And just like the example that James provides in our text he intently examined that reflection, and we need to be intently examining that reflection so we can know our sinfulness. What are you struggling with? What is the sin that you're committing that you refuse to repent of and you need to repent of? Where are you struggling in righteousness and walking in the ways that God has called you to walk? What does God's word reveal about our nature? Well, I, I have three, I mean, there's many ways that we are wicked uh, or, or sinful nature, but I, I did point out three main ones here. And the first one is, and again, you don't have to turn to this text, but I'll read it for you. Um, the reflection shows our rebellion. Shows our rebellion. And the text I have is Genesis 6-5. So please write that down. And Genesis 6-5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Especially those not in Christ, God calls us hostile to God. We're in active rebellion. We're running from God when we sin against him. And those that, even if we are in Christ, if we are Christians here tonight, we still sin against him. And that's I forget who calls it this, but they call it cosmic treason. And I find that really broad. I think, I think that's a really uh, impactful word. And another way that our reflection uh, shows our sinfulness is in our pride. It's in our pridefulness. And the verse I have is Obadiah 1.3. I'm sure you never thought that I would quote from Obadiah tonight, but I'm quoting from Obadiah tonight for you. Ob Obadiah 1.3. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Well, this reveals uh, how we are, um, how we care about ourselves more than God. Um, think about the way that you put yourself before other friends sometimes. That's, that's the sin of, of, of pride, thinking that you're, that you're better than other people or that you deserve something that you don't. We don't deserve anything. It's all a gift from our Lord. 
And this reflection, it also shows our idolatry. That's the third, that's the third thing I have here. And write this down, Leviticus 19.4 makes this clear to us. It says, do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. Now, of course, if you were to bow down to a golden statue like the Israelites did, the golden calf, yeah, of course, that is idolatry because you're making a false image God. But idolatry can even be ourselves. We can, again, put ourself above God, anything that, that you're placing in place of God. I mean, think about even good things, right? And good things in moderation can turn into idols, um, sports, video games, anything that you're placing in front of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying don't do those things. Those things are great, and they're good, and they're a gift from God. But they can turn to idols when used improperly. And these are just a few ways, like I said, of how God's word reflects our sinfulness. But there's also a good reflection when we look into this mirror. So back to my dancing story. During our routine, we actually had a professional dancer that was in our group. And the professional dancer did every single move perfectly. It was amazing. So we could look into the mirror and we could see our imperfections and we can also look at this professional dancer and say, okay, this person is doing everything perfect. I'm going to look at what they're doing. I'm going to look at their timing. I'm going to look at the way they do the moves and I'm going to copy that exactly. Well, this is very much like our nature in comparison to the nature of Jesus, is it not? The Bible is this unique mirror that shows us both our sinfulness and that reflection that shows our true nature. And then it also reflects Jesus. It also reflects Jesus who was the perfect sinless Savior. Christ is that image that we see in the reflection that we want to copy. We want to be just like him. We want to conform to his image. And Hebrews 4.15, I think, does a good job explaining this. Write that down, Hebrews 4.15 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So it's not like God, didn't, uh, God in Christ did not face these um, temptations. No, he did, but he did it without sin. He lived the life that we couldn't live. And Christ is that example set for us on how to live righteously. He shows us how to worship, right? He shows us how to pray he shows us how to love other people and approach people that are in sin and evangelize, share the gospel with them. He's that perfect representation of what we want to copy. And consider this, when you're, when you're reading your DBR this week, right, you're, you're going through the word, how many times have you read the Bible and you've reflected on this and, and not uh, uh, examined yourself? You, you kind of just checked off the box, um, Next time we read it, let's, let's read God's word and let's have this intention of changing according to what it says. And also, let's see, okay, how do I compare to Christ? Now, you'll never compare to Christ because Christ is perfect and we're sinners, but we can at least look to this reflection and see how we can better uh, serve God and how we can better walk in the ways of Jesus. We don't want to neglect that. And that's what I said in, in subpoint B here, don't neglect what is in that reflection? What is in the reflection? Don't neglect what is in the reflection. As we just laid out, Scripture shows our true nature, shows our sinfulness, and how we need to be corrected. 
And many are confronted with their sinfulness. Many are confronted with the truths from Scripture. They're confronted with sermons that are convicting. They acknowledge their sin, and they understand that they need to change, so they do examine themselves, but they don't do anything about it. I mean, think about a sermon that you've listened to recently where you knew, okay, I need to do that. I need to change what God, I'm sorry, what uh, the, the pastor or um, Pastor John, Pastor Mike, or, uh, you know, reading through your word, you see this convicting thing or you hear this convicting truth and you don't do anything with it. I mean, have you done that before? And instead of, uh, uh, instead we need to examine ourselves Uh, for each sermon, and go into listening, hearing, and being prepared to do what God's called us to do. We need to submit to that correction that Scripture's providing to us, right? So during that dance practice, again, if we didn't submit to what our professional dancer was showing us, or if we didn't submit to the imperfections we're seeing in the mirror, well, then we're, it's useless. It's, we're not, we're going to mess up the entire routine, So the important thing is we look at our imperfections and we actually do something with it. And God tells us in his word what to do and what not to do. And these things are not suggestions. These things are commands that we need to obey every single day. Submission leads to the conformity to Jesus Christ that we were talking about earlier. This is our goal, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, and that happens by doing the things that we hear. Don't uh, delay, be urgent. And I want to show you in Scripture a clear example of this urgency that, uh, that King Josiah did in, in 2 Kings 23. So please turn there with me, and I'll read it for you. But while you're turning there, I do want to give you a little bit of context Second Kings 23, verse 1 is where we'll start, but let me give you the context. This is a good king of Judah, King Josiah. In fact, he became king and he was eight years old. And King Josiah was, he was determined to get rid of all of the idols. He was determined to clear out the temple and uh, get rid of all of the, uh, the idols and the Baal worship. And it's funny because the Israelites were actually the ones that were that set up these idols in the temple. They were the ones that were uh, bowing down to these idols, and, and King Josiah takes, takes reign, takes control, and he's like, let's get rid of all of these things. And his high priest, Hilkiah, while he's clearing out this temple of all of the idolatry and all of the wickedness, he finds the book of the law. And in the book of the law, that's uh, the, the teachings of Moses, right? So uh, the book of the law is brought to King Josiah, and King Josiah, uh, he hears it, And uh, uh, high priest Elkiah is reading it to him, and he's instantly convicted by what he's hearing, and he's remorseful over his sin. And that brings us to our text. So 2 Kings 23, verse 1 through 3, and I'll read it for you here. Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests, and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. Everyone's there. Everyone's hearing the word, okay? Everyone's hearing the word taught, and we see that here in the next verse. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments 
and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book, right? So he set out to do God's word. He heard it, was convicted, saw his reflection, and then went to do God's word. And then we see here at the end, he says, and all the people joined in the covenant. They also joined in with King Josiah. They were ready. They were urgent. They were ready to change and do what God's word was calling them to do. They saw their sinfulness in the reflection, and they didn't neglect it. We need to have this same sense of urgency and readiness that King Josiah had. Think about all these takeaways. So we've talked about all of these practical ways that you can listen to God's word and apply it. Now think of these takeaways and how you can specifically apply them daily with your friends. How can you evangelize to them? Or how can you be humble and not prideful? How can you put their needs before yourselves? Think about your siblings. I know that's extremely hard to do, but think about your siblings. I have an older brother. He would fight me all the time and punch me and put me down. You know? So I, know, I know the feeling. Think about your neighbors, how you can treat them uh, uh, kindly and show them the love of Christ by uh, loving them and caring for them. Actively engaging with scripture and submit to that correction. Let's go back to our text in James 1, verse 25. James 1, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Okay, so that's, that's a lot. So let me, let me break this down. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. So here we're talking about both the, uh, the, the teachings of Moses, the Old Testament, and we're also talking about uh, the teachings of Christ. So the Old Testament and the teachings of Christ we're talking about. And the law of liberty, we're talking about the, the new covenant, right? The gospel, the, it, it, the law of liberty, it liberates us from our sinfulness. So that's why it's called the law of liberty. And perseveres, someone who continuously does it. Well, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James is now giving us this positive example. We had the negative example in the earlier text. We now have this positive example of someone who is looking into this mirror and is persistently doing, perseveres, and does consistently what God has called him to do, that person will be blessed by their doing. So that happiness, which is what blessed is uh, uh, talking about here, blessed means happiness from doing what God commands you to do. That follows when we obey the will of God. That happiness is what I want to focus on in this, this final point here. We receive happiness in Christ, joy in Christ when we are obedient to the will of God. So we need to, point number three, understand the happiness that comes from doing. Understand the happiness that comes from doing. What is the happiness? What are we talking about here? Well, People are going to define in our world what happiness is all the time. They're going to define it uh, in sinful ways, right? We see people that define happiness uh, by, you know, living to get wealthy or uh, status or fame, um, boasting of themselves in order to gain this happiness. But no, what we know is this happiness only, it's, it, it, it temporarily fills this void. It, it's, it's meaningless. It's dissolves. But the way that God defines happiness is God defines happiness in doing what he 
says in obedience to his will. And in Psalm 1, 1 through 2, jot that down. That's an important verse. That's a good memory verse as well. Psalm 1, 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So blessed is the man, happy is the man who walks not in the way of sinners. A person that doesn't sin and is obedient to God's word, he's finding happiness in God's word, in God's commands. He's delighting in this. He's enjoying what God has for him to do next. And we are, when we are obedient to God's word, we're doing what God intended for us to do. We're doing his will. And that's an amazing thing. He's created us to do his will. And he's created us to walk in these, in these good works that he's prepared beforehand, like our earlier text in Ephesians 2, 8 and through 10. He's also created us for his own glory. And when we walk in God's ways, when we obey his commandments, we then glorify God. In, those, in, in doing those things. And that brings us happiness. He deserves that glory. He is worthy of that glory because he's created us. And he's set all these things into motion. And he uh, has given us everything that we have. And he constantly is showing us grace and mercy in our lives. Think about like physical needs. Think about the hunger that you have. You haven't eaten in like three days. And your parents bring you this, this big juicy steak or salad if you don't like steak. I don't know. If you, whatever you like. Chick-fil-A. If you don't like Chick-fil-A, then you need to get out a compass. Chick-fil-A is amazing. <laughs> so you have these physical needs for hunger, and you finally get to eat this meal, whatever it is. Imagine your, your favorite meal. You finally eat it, and you're just fully satisfied, right? You've had that feeling before. You, you feel so great. And you feel happy. Well, just like the satisfaction we feed our hunger, we are satisfied when we feed our hearts by doing what God's commanded us to do. That brings us happiness because we're walking in his ways. And, and to apply this point, it's very simple. We, we just need to embrace this happiness that God, uh, God offers by doing. And, and that happiness that we have, it actually should motivate us more to do more good works, to be more obedient because we're, like we were talking about earlier, we're, we're, we're grateful for the sin that he's saved us from. And thinking about that sin he saved us from, consider that freedom from sin that we have when we repent and believe in Jesus. When we accept the gospel, we have this freedom from sin, and that freedom from sin gives us happiness and joy. The law of liberty, that's the gospel. Psalm 32, 1 through 2, jot that one down as well. Psalm 32, 1 through 2, says, Blessed, happy, there's our word, is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed, again, happy, is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That sounds a lot like the gospel, does it not? Your sin has been removed from you. Because of what Christ did, there's nothing that we can do. We're in, we have this insurmountable sin debt that we cannot overcome of our own accord. No, we need Jesus to pay that price on our behalf. 
And through obedience to the gospel, there's this freedom, this happiness that we have because sin has been removed from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's an amazing feeling. It's being liberated from our sin through Jesus Christ. We're no longer in bondage. We should praise him for that. It also points us to the reward that we have in heaven. If we are in Christ and we die in Christ, we go to heaven eternally and we get to see God free from sin, pure bliss and happiness eternally. And that's just an amazing promise that we have. And that's only for those who are in Christ. John 8, 31 through 32. Again, you can jot this down. I'll I'll read it for you. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. These are people who are doing God's word. When they do God's word, they are his true disciples. That's evidence of a true salvation. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this God's word is that truth. It's that truth that informs us of God's commands. It shows us how to live righteously. It shows us how to submit to the correction that it provides. And it teaches us how to change, how to now go and live in righteousness. And then again, it explains the happiness that comes from obeying his word in doing what God commands us to do. We need to conform to that image of Jesus Christ. Remember our perfect example. Jesus is that perfect reflection of what we want to conform our lives to. We want to walk in righteousness and do exactly what Jesus did. Be obedient to God's command. Be a doer of God's word. Submit to his correction and be blessed in doing those things. Actively do what it says. It's not optional, guys. We need to read it, hear it, and then go apply it every single day. So let's praise God that he's given us his word. And let's remember to be intentionally using this mirror of God's word every single day. Let's pray. God, we are thankful to you. You are good that you have given us your son to die for our sins. And God, it's, it's good that we have your word, that we can understand your commands and we can understand what you have for us. God, and when we walk in them, that is evidence of our salvation, but it's also uh, something that brings us happiness and joy. And, and God, that is, is truly a blessing and it's a, it's a good thing and we're thankful to you. We're thankful for this fellowship tonight. We're thankful that we can hear from your word. We love you, Lord, and in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well.